Okay, church. Well, please open up your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, preschoolers, we do not dismiss you this morning, but we welcome you. Uh, it is a fifth Sunday, and so we are glad to have the preschoolers in here uh, with us. Um, and preschoolers, just so you know, this was not planned specifically for you, uh, but in God's providence, we have come to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which is our Father's good word to us, to honor our father and our mother. Um, so that is not due to pastoral planning, that is due to the providence of God, and all the preschoolers said, amen. Amen. Preschoolers, I set you up there. When I say, and all the preschoolers said, you come in with an amen, okay? That's how we do it in here. All right, everyone else, Exodus 20, you're, you're hopefully turning there, you're getting there. And as you are, I want to share with you this, this parable that has been told by many people. It's not a, it's not a biblical parable, but it's a, a parable that's been told by many about a man who was on trial for murdering his parents, who at the trial throws himself down before the jury and begs for mercy on the basis of him now being an orphan. Do you follow the, the ridiculousness of that parable? A man who was not an orphan, he had parents, he murdered his parents, he orphaned himself, and now he is trying to play the orphan card to get sympathy and mercy from the jury. It seems a little outlandish, but it is a parable that paints the sad picture of what happens when we resist the fifth good word from our Father, to honor our Father and our Mother. You see, in God's infinite wisdom, as the means by which He exercises His authority and sovereignty over us, He has graciously put people in positions of authority over our lives, starting with our parents, as a way to guide us and protect us and free us to experience and enjoy living as children who honor and depend upon Him. But we, because of the sin that still exists in our heart, we resist that because we don't like authority, do we? I mean, all of us, some to a greater extent, some to a lesser extent, because sin has fractured God's good design, we all have authority issues. And so we need this, church. We need to hear this this morning because we many times have dishonored and disrespected and theoretically murdered all the authority that God has put over us, and then we complain that we feel like orphans. I mean, we've dishonored God by dishonoring our parents, our spouses, our pastors, our bosses, our teachers, and then we can't figure out why we feel alone. Can't figure out why we feel insecure or lacking guidance and direction in our lives. We can't figure out why we feel like orphans. We can't figure out why we're not good at relationships. Now understand this, the fifth commandment, it is, it is somewhat of a turning point in these ten good words. As the first four were primarily guiding us in how to love God, and now the remaining six are showing us how to love our neighbor. And what we see is, just like the first command laid, uh, the first command, you shall have no other gods before me, that laid the foundation for those first four commands. 
so too the fifth command lays the foundation for the remaining six. You see, God did not give these in random order. I don't know if you've thought through the order of these before, but these are not given to us randomly. God has a purpose even in the order that he gave us these words, which means that honoring your father and your mother, it is the foundation upon which you build how you go about loving your neighbor as yourself. Whether you realize it or not, your relationship with your parents and how you have honored or dishonored them it will and it has shaped all of your other relationships in life. And so where we are going this morning is to first see how to honor our parents in every season and in every sphere of life. Because yes, this starts with our parents, but this command then sets us on a trajectory showing us how to honor all of those people that God has put in positions of authority in our lives. And once we see that, I think at that point, we'll then be good and convicted about how, we, how dishonoring we have been in our lives. And once we feel that conviction, then we will look to Jesus and we will see how he honored his parents. And we will see how his life, death, and resurrection actually frees us and empowers us to now go and honor our parents and build good and long-lasting relationships with others. And then finally, at the end, we'll cover some of the yeah, but what ifs that might pop up in your head as we go through uh, this teaching. Because I know for some of you, some of you, you have had godly parents. They weren't perfect, but they loved God. They sought to honor him. And you can probably get your mind around honoring them. Uh, that, that would be my, my case. I've been blessed with godly parents. Um, I've been blessed with godly in-laws. And so it, it is a little bit easier for me. It's not to say that I'm good at honoring them, um, but, but I can get my mind around the idea of wanting to honor them. And I, and I know some of you, there's going to be some more hurdles to that. Because I know for some of you, you're going to hear this good word and you're going to think, yeah, but what if my parents were abusive? What if my parents abandoned me? What if my parents neglected me? What if my parents are a danger to me and my children? And we'll address some of those. So hold all of your yeah, but what ifs till the end. And we will get to them uh, before we conclude this morning. But let's pray and let's ask God to, to help us see how gracious he is in giving us the gift of authority in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are sovereign and that you exercise your authority and rulership over our lives. And Lord, in your wisdom, you have, you have seen it best to rule us and to exercise your authority over us through imperfect, sinful people. And that we don't quite understand that yet, Lord. So I ask that you would help us. Help us see your grace and your wisdom this morning. I ask that you would free us to honor our parents and others well. And I ask that you would, Holy Spirit, pour in us, pour a solid foundation 
for us to build all of our other relationships upon. Give light, O Lord, to your word. Give light. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, look with me now. Exodus 20, verse 12. God's word says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Well, what does it mean to honor? This word honor, it means to be weighty, to be heavy, to be of great value and worth. And so when God is telling us to honor our father and mother, he's telling us to not think lightly of them, to not think little of them or the position that they have in our life. No, they are to have great value and great worth in our eyes. They are to carry a great weight in our lives. And we are all children. We are all children. Some of us have had godly parents. Some of us have had ungodly parents. Some of our parents are living. Some of our parents have passed away. But God tells us to honor them all. I've been searching the scriptures. God doesn't seem to ever give us a get-out-of-honoring-free card. This is for all of us regardless of how honorable your parents have been. We are commanded by God to bestow great value and worth on them and the position that God has sovereignly put them in in our life. This is our good father's good design. And so what does it look like to honor our parents? Because this does look differently in different seasons of life. Because it's important to note that the fifth commandment, it actually does not say, obey your father and your mother. It says, honor them. And honoring them certainly involves obeying them when you're living in their household and you are a child. But honoring them does look differently when you are an adult and you've established your own household. And so let's try to understand this a little bit more about what it looks like to honor our parents in every season of life. And we're going to start by what it looks like when we are a child. And to do that, we're going to look up on the screen at Ephesians chapter 6. Because the Apostle Paul, when applying this command to children, he does interpret this command as a command to obey. So preschoolers, are you listening? Children, are you listening? I don't have an exact age for you, but if, if you are living in your parents' house and if you have never given a second thought as to where your next meal is coming from and you do not know what it means to pay rent or a mortgage, this is for you, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so children living in your parents' household, honoring your parents, part of what this looks like is obeying your parents. And true obedience, it involves our attitudes, it involves our hearts. And so true obedience looks like obeying your parents right away, all the way, with a happy heart. True obedience is obeying your parents right away, all the way, with a happy heart. And of course, there's this, you know, this, this little exception. If, you're, if, if you have an ungodly parent who's ever asking you to disobey God, you must obey God first. 
But in most circumstances, honoring God by honoring your parents looks like obeying them. Obeying them. Now, how about when you are a teenager and becoming a young adult, but you're still living in your parents' household? Well, honoring your parents, it still looks like and still includes obeying them. But as you grow and mature, you might start coming up with your own ideas about how things should be done in life and around the house. Because what happens as you mature, as you become a teenager, you start to see and realize that your parents have weaknesses. As you, as you grow and mature in life, as you become a teenager and a young adult, you, you start to see, you start to get a glimpse that maybe your parents don't always know what they're doing. But teenagers, just give it 10 years and you'll realize you have no idea what you're doing. And that's when you can both start to understand each other a little bit better. But that, that as you're maturing, as you're starting to see some of your parents' weaknesses, what this might stir up in you, this might cause you to want to feel as if you need to argue with your parents and test your debate skills with your parents. But teenagers, listen to me. In most cases, honoring them still looks like obeying them in the moment, right away, all the way, with a happy heart, like you, were, like you did when you were a child. But then maybe... As you come to be a young adult, maybe then after you've obeyed them in the moment, you can come back to them later on and you can respectfully have a grown-up conversation about the topic with them. You can share your concerns with them. You can share your ideas with them. And I know all the parents in here would be happy to have grown-up conversations with teenage kids about that. But listen, in the moment, our natural inclination is to want to fight, resist, and battle authority. We all have that natural sinful inclination. In the moment, obey right away when you're in their household. But then come back to them later and respectfully talk about that. Share your ideas with them. Share what's going on in your heart. Life works best when we honor and obey our parents. And this is actually, I won't keep talking to our teenagers too much. This is something Pastor Kevin is, one of the topics he's going to uh, hit on this fall with our, our, in our high school ministry. Pastor Kevin's wanting to hit on a lot of practical wisdom with our high schoolers, and one of those is going to be, how do we honor our fathers and our mothers in our teenage years? Uh, one of the goals for our, our new high school ministry starting up is that by the time that, that kids are, are graduated high school, um, that they will be fully integrated, connected, functioning members of the church body, uh, that they will be growing in maturity throughout their high school years and ready to leave their homes but not leave the church. And so I'm excited for what Pastor Kevin is going to do in this new ministry uh, starting this fall. And one of those topics is going to be, what does this look like in our teenage years? But now then, let's move to our adult years, because honoring our parents looks a little different. Honoring our parents looks a little different once we've out, we are outside of their household. It doesn't necessarily mean obedience to them all the time when we're no longer under their authority in the same way. Because what happens in our adult years is we now enter into a position of authority of our own households. We start new family governments, so to speak. And so 
as adults honoring our parents, I mean, it first looks like at some point leaving them and starting your own household. If you're married, it looks like leaving them and becoming one with your spouse. And then what it looks like is caring for them in their old age and providing for their needs. We see Paul give instructions uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, which we'll have up here on the screen. He says, Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. Verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Church, this is God's good design, that we would honor our parents and we would learn to show godliness to our family by making some return to our parents. This is pleasing in the sight of God. Paul is telling Timothy, hey, as a church leader, honor widows, honor those who are older and need care, step into their lives and see if their children and grandchildren are taking care of them. If they are, praise God. This is his good design. The church does not need to be burdened in those cases in meeting their needs because to do so would actually be taking away an opportunity for their children to honor them and to make some return to them and to learn to show godliness to that household. And then certainly if a church steps in and sees children and grandchildren are not fulfilling those duties, well then by the grace of God, the church family steps in. We meet those needs. Now, I do believe uh, caring for our parents in their old age, it can look different in different families. Sometimes it does look like bringing an aging parent into your home and taking care of them. Um, I know I was blessed and my boys were blessed uh, to see the example of my parents take my grandmother in during COVID uh, to care for her. And you guys did. You set a great example of what it looks like to be willing to sacrifice your independence and your time and your energy to care and show honor to, to Mimi. Uh, when Britt and I were looking for a house in Franklin, this was something the Lord laid on our hearts. We wanted to, if possible, find a place that had a guest room so that we would be ready and able to take care of an aging parent or grandparent, and we'd be preparing for that day when the time comes for us to make a return to them. I think too many times, middle-aged people are surprised that their parents are getting older. Now, I mean, my, I did major in biology in, in college, and I know not everyone did, but we should all not be surprised by this process in life. Our parents will keep getting older, and we should be planning and preparing for how we are going to honor them as they continue to get older. Now, I'm not saying that everyone has to take their aging parents into their home, but I'm saying that it is your responsibility to honor your parents and make sure they are taken care of. And that can look like hiring it out. That can look like helping them get into a, a care facility. But just like educating your children is primarily your responsibility, and that can look like sending them to school or homeschooling, so too honoring your parents is primarily your responsibility, whether you do that inside or outside your home. We are to honor our father and our mother 
in every season. But why? Why does God want us to honor our parents in every season of life? And maybe this is a good, good point to pause and just ask that question. Why does God want us to honor our parents in every season? I think it's plain that we see he, he has said it. He, he, he has commanded it. He has given us that, that instruction and this good word. But, but why does God want us to honor our parents? Why did this make the top ten commands or good words that God gave his people? Why did this come in at number five to lay the foundation for all our other relationships? Well, in God's wisdom, he knows that as we are learning to honor the authority that is visible to us, as we are learning to honor the authority that we can see, we are ultimately learning how to honor the authority we can't see. As we are learning to honor the authority that is visible to us, we are ultimately learning how to honor the authority that is invisible to us. And as we learn to honor our parents more and more, we learn to honor God more and more. And it is in honoring God more and more that we learn to live like free children of God. Giving honor to someone other than ourselves is something very difficult for sinful people to do. I mean, giving honor to someone other than ourselves, that is something very difficult for someone who's got a lot of pride in their heart. Giving honor to someone else, that is, that, that is something that is very difficult for immature people to do. Giving honor to someone other than ourselves is very difficult, and it's very difficult to honor people and God when we are enslaved to our sin or when we are enslaved to the sin people have committed against us. Very difficult to do that. And yet that is the way that God breaks us free from some of this enslavement to sin. It is through honoring our parents, through honoring God, through honoring others, that God is, is helping us not going back to living like a slave to our sin. It's how he's helping us not go back to living like a slave to our pride and to our selfishness. It's how he's keeping us from going back to slavery. Remember, these 10 good words are given to a people to keep them from going back to living like slaves. This good word is given to us so that we would continue to live like free people. But this is difficult. But it is something by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit we can grow in. And it starts with our relationship with our parents. That's where it starts. But this command is not intended to stop with our parents. We see this thread throughout Scripture that learning to honor authority, it starts with our parents, but it should not end there, but it should then extend into every sphere of life. We see throughout Scripture that, yes, we are to honor our parents, but we also see that employees should honor their employers and that students should honor their teachers and that wives should honor their husbands and that church members should honor their pastors and that citizens should honor their civil leaders and that those who are younger should honor those who are older 
and that we should all try to outdo each other in showing honor to one another. This is not just a a one-time thing we see in Scripture. This is a thread all throughout Scripture of honoring one another, and it starts with learning how to honor our parents. And we ultimately do all that honoring because it helps us honor God more. And the reason we want to honor God more is because the more we honor God, the more we get to experience and enjoy the freedom of living as his children. Because you see this command, it comes with a promise. Look back at the command, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Now this promise, I don't believe, is applied to us exactly like it was to the people of God at the foot of Mount Sinai, getting ready to enter into the promised land. However, I mean... I think we can all relate. There are times when our kids are dishonoring to us, disobeying us, rebelling against us. At times, it does not feel like they are going to live long in the land, does it? You start to get that. Yeah, I can feel that. It feels like this isn't going to work. But no, seriously, the the, the promise of land in the Old Covenant, it was a promised place for the people of God to flourish and enjoy the blessings and the presence of God. And so the same principle is true for us now. On a a corporate level, on a big macro level, civilizations, societies, cultures, and churches, they can exist and flourish when people show some sort of honor and respect for their parents and for their authority figures. When, when dishonoring parents and authority is the norm, civilizations self-destruct, local churches split and dissolve, and families break down. But when we honor God and the authority he has given us, we find ourselves in a place where people can flourish, where those things on a macro level can, can flourish and grow. Now, on an individual level, when we live according to God's good design and following this command, we get to experience life and relationships that are in a better place. They're in a better land. They're in a better place because now they're in a place where we can enjoy the blessings and the presence of God in a greater and a longer lasting place. Those who have learned to honor their parents, they will be in a better place to experience good and long lasting relationships. This is true. Those who have learned to honor their parents, however imperfect they maybe have been, they will be in a better place to experience good and long-lasting relationships. It's the foundation that all of your relational wisdom and IQ and interaction is built upon. And I think that this has been a mystery to some of you. You haven't known how to get to that place. How do I get to a place where I can enjoy good relationships and where I can enjoy long-lasting relationships? And God's word says, honor your father and your mother. Honor all of those who God has put in a position of authority in your life. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with them 100% of the time doesn't mean that you have to blindly obey them. But in general, your relationships are bad and short-lived because you've tried to build them upon a bad foundation. 
It's a foundation that's been infected by our initial sinful reaction to resist authority instead of to honor it. Church, we have, every single one of us, fallen short of what God has called us to do in this good word. That's the bad news this morning. And we ultimately do not just need a reminder to treat our parents better. I hope that's not what you think this is about to be, because that's not what this is. We do not ultimately just need to be reminded to be a little nicer to our parents. We needed a Savior to come save us from our sinful dishonoring of authority. We needed a substitute to come and honor his parents in every season of life and every sphere of life so that his perfect obedience could be credited to us. And that's what we have in Jesus. So let's look to Jesus. Let's see his life. Let's see how he honored his parents and how his obedience can now be credited to us. When Jesus was 12, after his family, did you know 12-year-olds, Jesus was 12 at one point. He lived as a 12-year-old. For one year, he lived as a 12-year-old, just like you. He lived as a teenager, just like we all lived as teenagers. When Jesus was 12, after his family had been in Jerusalem for the Passover, they're returning home with a large group caravan. They realize Jesus is not with them. They search for him. They can't find him. They go back to Jerusalem. They find him in the temple among the teachers, listening and asking questions. They're distraught. They're like, Jesus, don't you know we were distressed? We couldn't find you. We were freaking out. Jesus explains that they should have known where he would have been, he should, that, they, that he was in his father's house, the temple. They didn't understand what that meant. And yet in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. I mean, 12-year-olds and teenagers, listen to this. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, second person of the Trinity. I know sometimes you think you know more than your parents. Maybe sometimes you do. I'm confident Jesus at this point in his life, he knew more than his parents. And yet he was submissive to them. He was submissive to them. He honored them. He obeyed them. That there was a deeper way to be right in that situation than being right in the argument. There was a deeper win there for us. He, he, he was winning our righteousness in that moment as opposed to wanting to win the argument with his parents, you see? Sometimes we read the Gospels, we're like, why would they even include that? The, 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 the Gospel writers are showing us Jesus Christ is fulfilling the law on our behalf. You see, he's keeping the fifth commandment. He honored them and he obeyed them. But we see this look different in different uh, uh, seasons of life because then in his adult years, his family is a bit concerned about him and they come to see him doing ministry in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, 19 says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. All right, mom's saying, hey, I want to see him. I want to see him. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, what's happening here? He doesn't seem to be obeying right away, all the way with a happy heart. But he is not dishonoring his mother. 
He is an adult at this point. He is out from under her authority in that household. And so in that interaction, we see Jesus. He's, he's not dishonoring his, his mother. He's a, he's a grown man. But he's now out from under her authority, and he's exercising now his own authority of his own house in a, in a, in a different way. And also by responding in this way, what he's doing for us is he's expanding the very concept of family. That yes, we have biological families, but followers of Jesus have now become part of God's family, which is what our biological families were preparing us for. And so we can rejoice that in Christ, we are a part of God's family. That is such a comfort and such a treasure to us. No matter how broken your biological family is, in Christ, we get to come and be part of God's family. We can take comfort in the fact that our God, like Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6 says, we can take comfort in the fact that our God is a father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. That's what he's about in his holy habitation. He's, he's protecting widows and he's fathering the fatherless. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. How good it is that in Christ we get to be part of God's family. And then at the end of his life here on earth, on the cross, Jesus continues to keep this commandment. In John 19, 26 and 27, Jesus is on the cross, mind you. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I mean, get get this. Jesus, while dying for all the ways you've dishonored your parents, he's making sure his mother is cared for and looked after. Jesus by dying for our sin and living for our righteousness. Now through faith in him, we can be adopted into the family of God. We can now through faith in Christ call God our father. He paid the penalty for all of our dishonoring and he has given us the righteousness of all his honoring. And we are now welcomed in through faith to the family of God. We now can say we have one perfect authority that is absolutely worthy of honor and praise. And church, when we give honor to our parents and to our spouses and to our pastors, we honor him. And he is worthy of such honor. This is what Christ has freed us to do. This is what it looks like to live like a free child of God. We have been freed to give others honor. And if you are not honoring your parents, every other relationship you have is being shaped by that. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily uh, buy into the fact that like all your issues in life are due, your, due to your daddy issues, okay? 
But, but there is some degree of truth to that, that, that how, you react, how you relate to other people and the relationships that you are in in life with pastors and spouses and everyone who might be in a, a position of authority, it is shaped by how you have related or are relating to your parents. And if you are living like a slave to either your sin or the sin that they committed against you, you're going to have a difficult time in honoring others. But it is, in fact, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that as we honor others, he frees us from that sin. He frees us from our sin of dishonoring. He frees us from the sin committed against us by some of our parents. And Christ died and rose so that you would be free. So listen, he... He's freed us to be able to honor, honor imperfect people. Because, listen, okay, listen, church. In, in Jesus Christ, you are now free to honor imperfect people because you are trusting in a perfect Savior and you are resting in the sovereign arms of a perfect Father. That's how you are now free to honor imperfect people. That is how you are now free to honor people who have sinned against you. That is how you are now free to honor people with plenty of weaknesses and failures. You are free in Jesus Christ to honor imperfect people because as you do it, you are trusting in a perfect Savior and you are resting in the arms of a perfect Father. So now let's address some of the yeah, but what ifs. Thank you for holding off on some of those. What if your parents were abusive? What if your parents physically, sexually, emotionally abused you and harmed you? How are you to honor them? What if your parents abandoned you? What if your parents neglected you? What if you don't even know who your parents are? What if your parents are living in unrepentant sin? What if your parents are living in such foolishness that it is causing harm to them and everyone around them? What if your parents have passed away? How do you honor them now? Okay, first, kids, those who are in households right now, not their own, um, if you are being abused right now by a parent or another authority figure, that grieves the heart of God, that is not right. And you need to tell one of the pastors, you need to tell someone that you can trust. So do not take this sermon as a way to excuse future or current harm from continuing to happen to you, children. Bring the church family in on this, and please tell someone you trust. That is not right. God is, not grie God is grieved by that. For those who have had parents who have abused them in the past and you are now an adult and you are out from under their influence, let me clarify this. To honor them does not mean that you have to trust them. To honor them does not mean you have to trust them with your kids. To honor them does not mean that you shouldn't have clear boundaries and set them in a relationship with them. You can now honor them by praying for them 
And you can now honor them by confronting their sin and their folly, and you can stop enabling it or allowing it. In the face of destructive sin and folly, one of the most loving and honoring things to do is to confront their sin and point them to Christ. There's a way to do that respectfully. There's a way to do that that is honoring to them. But in the face of sin, especially sin that is so heinous that it is destructive and harming others, it is honoring to confront their sin and point them to Christ now. They will face him at, on Sunday. And if they are not believers, share the gospel with them. Call them to repentance and faith. Don't do it in a demeaning, talking down to them way. But do it in a way out of love for them, out of honor to them. Share the good news with them. Point them to Christ. Now all of our parents... All of our parents, all of those that have been put in positions over us, all of those people have one thing in common. All of those people are imperfect people. This is something we all have in common. We all have had imperfect parents. And for the parents in the room, we have all been imperfect parents. And so in light of having imperfect parents, how do we honor them? How do we honor imperfect parents? Well, one way we honor them is by forgiving them. One way we honor our parents is by forgiving them. The unforgiveness that many of you are harboring towards your parents is shaping every other relationship you have. This is the foundation of all your relationships, and your foundation is crumbling if you have not totally and completely forgiven your parents for how they fell short of God's design for them. For some of you, the most important and immediate thing you could do to honor your parents is you could forgive them. And you could then choose to forgive them every morning and extend grace and mercy to them that are new every morning, the same way God has new mercies for you every morning those memories of them sinning against you or hurting you, the blood of Christ can cover and cleanse and redeem those memories. It is powerful enough to do that. It can redeem those awful, nightmarish memories you have of them. You do not need to live like a sin. You don't, excuse me, you do not need to live like a slave to your own sin or to the sin that has been committed against you. The blood of Christ is powerful enough to cleanse both. And to free you from both. And so forgive them. Forgive them. Choose to forgive them like God has forgiven you. Another way you can honor your parents is you can be patient with them. I love how the writers of the, the Heidelberg Catechism teach this command. We'll have this up on the screen. They write in question 104, What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? They give the answer, that I honor, love, and be loyal to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, all those in authority over me, that I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, 
for through them, God chooses to rule us. Be patient with their failings, for through them, God chooses to rule us. Another way you can honor your parents is to thank them. Now, for some of you, this will be easy. You just forget to do it. Here's your reminder. Go thank your parents. But for some of you, this might take some work, especially if your parents were ungodly and, and, and just didn't do you know, what God had called them to do. But I'm telling you, even in the worst-case scenarios, there are some things you can find to thank them for. Some of your dads, maybe they were emotionally absent and checked out, but you know what? They kept a job and they paid the bills. You can thank them for that. Even the worst of parents, I mean, this is, this is sad to even think of, but, but even the worst of parents, any of your parents, living in a day and age in a culture where so many abortions have happened, you could at the very least thank them for having you. They brought you into this world. Thank your parents. Another way you honor your parents is to speak well of them in public and in private. Honor them by speaking well of them, especially around your kids. Did you know that your kids will learn more about honoring their parents from watching how you do it than sitting in here listening to this sermon? Like, don't think this is going to solve all the, the family problems. They're actually going to learn more about watching you honor your parents. Your kids are learning how to honor their parents and pastors and ultimately God through watching you and listening to you. And your kids are smart enough, they can sniff out the hypocrisy of you demanding they submit to your authority, all the while watching you resist every authority God has put over you. Speak well of them, of your parents. Honor them in that way. One of the pieces of wisdom I'll give my boys when they're at an age uh, where they can begin courting a young lady for marriage is to watch how she honors and speaks about her father because that is likely how she will honor and speak about you. So young ladies, if you're wanting to get in the Walker family, just a heads up. <laughs> Another way we can honor our parents is to raise for them grandchildren who honor God. Proverbs 17:6 says grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Grandchildren who are honoring to the Lord, they are like a crown that your parents get to wear. Maybe you disagree with your parents about every aspect of parenting, from education to discipline to nutrition to athletics. You can't believe the movies they let you watch. You just disagree with them on everything. Honoring them does not always mean agreeing with them, but you can still honor them by giving them godly grandchildren they can wear like a crown. They can show off to all their friends at the weird family reunions where you don't know anyone. Amen. <clears throat> all right. In conclusion, I am, I am wrapping it up. Exodus twenty twelve. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Church, we don't honor our parents because they are worthy. That's not why we honor our parents. We honor them because God is worthy. Remember the parable of the man in the courtroom who had killed his parents and then pleaded to the jury for mercy because he was an orphan? There isn't a human 
jury in the world who would be merciful to that guy. I mean, we human beings, we know about justice, right? We like to flaunt. We're big into justice. And it's our sense of justice that keeps us from honoring people. That's why we can't honor one another. We just, we like justice too much. We're such great people because we want justice. Listen to me, church. Every human being on the face of the earth knows about justice. It is uniquely the people of God who not only know about justice, but they know about grace and mercy. It is the people of God who have stood in the courtroom of God and been rightly condemned before him. And yet it was our big brother Jesus who willingly took the execution we deserved. And it was God the judge who showed us mercy to not only pardon us, but then to adopt us as his kids. The honorable judge of the universe is now our good father who is worthy of all honor and praise. So church, may we not resist the loving authority of God for it is in God that orphans find mercy. In Jesus Christ, you are free to honor imperfect people because you are trusting in a perfect savior and you are resting in the sovereign care of a perfect father. Let's pray.